to submit a story, topic, or have any other inquiries, please email submit at skibanewsnation.com. Also, you can email Jeremiah Skiba personally at jeremiah at skibanewsnation.com. Also, email Jake personally at jake at skibanewsnation.com. If you want to write us a letter, send us something, help support us, or just say hi, please send your letter to Jeremiah Skiba, P.O. Box 560-271, The Colony, Texas 75056. If you write us a letter, I'll do my best to write you back. Hey, Skiba News Nation family, thank you for watching. Please like, share, and subscribe. You can also help support this channel by getting yourself some Skiba News Nation merch. Also, we are proud to announce that we are now on Patreon, where you will get bonus content, shoutouts, and much more. Thank you again for watching and helping us stay on the quest for truth. Huge shout out to all our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this show without you. If you want to help support us, go to patreon.com forward slash Skiba News Nation. We are also proud to announce that Skiba News Nation podcast is now available on podcast platforms. what it costs. I want to know what the truth is. And I hope that people, my son, anybody, if my name comes up, whether you like me, whether you agree with me or not, at least you could respect the fact that he's on a quest for truth. He's on a quest for truth. Welcome to Skiba News Nation. Bringing you unfiltered views, news, interviews, discussions, and more. And now, here's your host, Jeremiah Skiba, award-winning musician and son of Rob Skiba. Hey, Skiba News Nation family. Welcome to episode 28 of Skiba News Nation. I'm your host, Jeremiah Skiba, and today we're going to be talking about how planting in the media works, the GOP and the Twitter files, the metaverse is here, Remdesivir and its other name. Heads up about citric acid, blood clots, an all new Opus Corner, and for history, we're going to be talking about JFK revisited. Watch me walk in Lee Harvey Oswald's footsteps, memes, and much more, so stay tuned. So let's dive right in, as always. Let me introduce my co-host, Jake Grant. How you doing, Jake? <laughs> hey, Jeremiah. Doing pretty great. How are you? I'm good. What have you been up to? Uh, we're hunkering down, getting ready for apparently the storm of the century, uh, <laughs> which is like all the doom and gloom and fear-mongering, but we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the... Uh, the forecast and and some other interesting news today awesome yeah opa opa treated us to uh uh avatar this this weekend and it was pretty crazy 3d effects right 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 in your face uh wow wow which, which one is it opa avatar the way of the water the first one was like Pocahontas, so I just my girlfriend had never seen the first one. And I was just like, "Well, just just imagine Pocahontas, and then there you go." And she was like, oh, "I get it." So <laughs> that's pretty cool. Well, you ready to dive right into current news? Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh -huh. 
All right. So the fact of the matter is most people don't have the stomach to deal with what's really going on. So they just disregard it and fall back into the illusion. People get comfortable and they fall back into the illusion like everything's going to be okay. You know, a, a lot of people are celebrating holidays right now, right? And yep. uh, I thought this was important. You know, the Old Testament, if you do not understand this, your entire understanding of the New Testament is distorted. Textually proven, supported activities and traditions, right? Mm -hmm. Well, there are some people that have chosen to come away from the modern Babylonian system of kind of corporate Hollywood holidays, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and and so uh, sometimes it ends up looking pretty funny itself, though, right? These people don't have it all figured out. I mean, it's kind of like Hanukkah, the redneck version, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, during this time, uh, the whole Hanukkah topic is uh, it's you know it's a Jewish holiday. It's not necessarily one of the big seven or the, the big, you know, Feast of Leviticus 23 uh, festival festivals, right? This is something that commemorates the Maccabees and those of righteousness who stood up when the pagan Greek king came in and tried to kind of uh, push people to forsake their uh, obedience to the Torah, their, their um, desire to fight against idolatry and to not even partake of uh, unclean foods that were offered to them to eat to spare their own lives they decided to say no you know you, you can put us to the sword because we're not going to eat your unclean food and man if you read some some of fourth Maccabees uh, and you know just to get a setup of it you can read first Maccabees but that's the point of this uh, particular time period of people celebrating Hanukkah, uh, particularly because the story is about a king who came in and set up paganism, right? And this time of year, a lot of traditions set up paganism in our home. And, and a lot of people will argue that's not what it means to me, right? Mm -hmm. But we have to be aware that it's not about what it means to you. It's about where it comes from. Yeah, and what and, it symbolizes. You know, what it symbolizes exactly and when you when you look at the topic of when christ was born when yahushua was born right the the kind of the textual evidence that we have to determine when that time actually was puts it more in the fall propping up one holiday as a celebration of the birth of christ um it, it really does have to go in the face of all the facts that we have that would indicate when he was most likely born, right? Right. So, uh, you know, the, the time of Hanukkah is about pagan saturation, right? The heathen ways have become the norm, and they've been brought into where you live. Uh, it's about kind of being that light in the darkness, right? Being the few people that stand up and don't participate in practices that are celebrated in pagan cultures throughout the world and were inherited in innocence and kept in ignorance. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I found it cool. You know, some of the symbology behind Hanukkah is the lights, right? 
yeah. being a light in the darkness and lighting the candles during the night. Now, I, I kind of lean away from the Hanukkah and I lean more towards the menorah, which is the seven-branched candle because yeah. it has much more significant kind of uh, biblical meaning uh, as a, opposed to the, uh, you know, the multi-candlesticked uh, <laughs> candle, the Hanukkah. <laughs> Um, but anyways, uh, the season is about light and darkness, and I found this picture pretty cool. A lot of these are beautiful eyes that um, the scriptures actual, actually talk about um, in Matthew six twenty two, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, clear, undefiled, without hypocrisy, right? Thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, wicked, or malicious... Thy whole body shall be full of darkness. And wherefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. The darkest night of the year, the date we're recording this, December 21st. Uh, so if you look up, it's going to be the winter solstice. Skies will be particularly dark on Wednesday, which is when we're recording this. Um, but it, it's interesting to me that uh, during the darkest time of the year, we have out of the north a incredible record-breaking winter storm and uh you know just some of the news coverage uh predicts it being you know one of those once in multiple decade storms mm -hmm. which to me is you know pretty interesting coming in at the last few days of the hanukkah celebration season right uh or rather right on christmas day uh for those who you know uh, are curious some of the interesting parallels to when this storm is coming in. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to mention that uh, and this, uh, you know, just to be prepared. Um, keep in mind that uh, if you need to survive a winter storm and you're in the U.S., build an emergency supply kit, have water, first aid kit, blankets, roadside flares, jumper cables, a bag of kitty litter or sand or road salt, uh, a spare tire, snow brush, a shovel, flashlight, snacks, toe straps. And I would even dare to suggest you bring something that can uh, heat you uh, in the cold because it's about to get like really cold. Yep. But anyways, just to show you some of the imagery of this storm coming in, Wow. It's uh it's big. Yeah, it's coming down uh extremely low temperatures uh so if you can just see here we have most of the mid uh mid east uh middle part of the United States uh just down in the negatives, negative 10, negative 15 sometimes. I thought global warming was supposed to be warm though. Right. Well, some people uh, would argue that we're entering into a solar minimum, which means it's about to get really cold quite often. And uh, and some, you know, when you look into the uh, the shift of the polar north location, uh, apparently it's uh, moving. And so, where the North Pole or the coldest center of kind of air currents in the U.S and in North America will be is transitioning, you know, closer to the United States, which is kind of interesting with the weather change. 
supposed to get down to about nine degrees tomorrow night here in uh, Texas. DFW. You guys are far south. Wow. Uh, I got some videos that I'd love to, you know, break down with you, Jeremiah. This first video is titled How Planting in the Media Works. So let's check out how they actually, uh, how an ex-CIA agent, uh, Frank, discusses how planting stories in the media works. Right. Frank, I think a good many of us have the, the impression that the CIA operates completely undercover, that you're, you're all spooks, as they say, or they used to say out in the Pacific. I, uh, do you have a high profile? Or do people know what you do for a living? Surely. In Saigon, uh, I had various covers. I was a State Department officer. I was a military officer at one time. But uh, everybody I dealt with, agents, journalists, knew that I worked for the CIA. It is the agent who works under very deep cover under unofficial cover, as a businessman, as a journalist. Now, he's the one uh, who is not identifiable and whom nobody else uh, will, would identify with the agency. What years were you there? I got there in 1969, just as uh, Vietnamization was getting underway, and I uh, left with the last CIA contingent on the, uh, the, the roof of the American Embassy when uh, the North Vietnamese were moving on the city in 1975. I was there through the latter stages of the war. Did you go, go out on that helicopter in the, in the famous pictures we saw? Uh, well, one the CIA helicopter was uh, the one that uh, forms that, that famous uh, photograph, but I wasn't on that one. Mm -hmm. you, uh, you briefed the press, did you not, when you were there? Well, I had several jobs. One of my jobs was that of analyst, uh, I also was an interrogator and indeed briefed the press when we, the CIA, wanted to uh, circulate disinformation on a particular issue. Disinformation is not necessarily, uh, not necessarily a lie, it may be a half-truth. And uh, we would pick out a journalist, I would go do the briefing and uh, hope that he would put the information in print. What was your percentage of success? We were pretty successful in planning uh, information of a rather rarefied nature. For instance, if we wanted to get uh, across to the American public that the North Vietnamese were building up their force structure in South Vietnam, I would go to a journalist and advise him that in the past uh, six months, X number of North Vietnamese forces had come down the Ho Chi Minh Trail system through southern Laos. Now, there is no way a journalist can check that information. Uh, that's data derived from uh, uh, radio intercepts, uh, spy in the uh, sky photography. So either he goes with the information or he doesn't, and ordinarily or usually the journalist would go with it because it, was, it looked like some kind of exclusive. And um, I would say our percentage of planning that kind of data was uh, 70 to 80 percent. Can you recall the names of any of the uh, correspondents uh, you, uh, you used in that manner? used as a loaded term, the correspondents we targeted were those who had terrific influence, the most uh, respected journalists in Saigon, like Robert Chaplin of the New Yorker magazine, Kai's Beach uh, of the Los Angeles Times from time to time, and also he worked for the Chicago Daily News, uh, Bud Merrick of U.S. News and World Report, uh, Malcolm Brown of the New York Times, uh, even Maynard Parker of Newsweek magazine. Uh, we would uh, go after these gentlemen. Uh, I would uh, be directed to cultivate them, to spend time with them at uh, the Caravelle Hotel or the Continental Hotel. 
to socialize with them, and, and slowly but surely to try to gain their confidence by dolloping out uh, valid information, information which was true. And then I would drop in a, into a conversation the data that we wanted to get across, which might not be true. Uh, one piece of data, for instance, uh, that uh, we managed to plan in the New Yorker magazine had to do with uh, a supposed North Vietnamese effort in 1973 to develop airfields along the border of South Vietnam. The reason we wanted to plant this information was that we were trying to persuade the U.S. Congress that Saigon should uh, be continued to, uh, should continue to get a great deal of aid. Uh, and that uh, the North Vietnamese were the chief violators of the ceasefire accord. That was printed in uh, the New Yorker magazine under the byline of Robert Chaplin, as indeed was a great deal of such information which, uh, which we tried to circulate. Uh, considering that you knew the amount of disinformation, or most of it, that was being fed to the correspondents, what do you think, or what did you think, of the quality of reporting that came out of Vietnam? Reporting from correspondents who were operating independently of the agency, who did not rely on agency sources, uh, was very good. Uh, I cite in particular Peter Arnett. I remember after the fall of Saigon, one of my jobs was to query journalists who'd stayed in Vietnam after the collapse, and as they came out, I was to get in touch with them and try to persuade them to report on what they'd seen. This was not a disinformation job, it was an intelligence collection uh, operation. I contacted Peter Arnett at Associated Press headquarters, and I said, Mr. Arnett, I'm Frank Snap from the American Embassy. Could you tell me what you saw? And there was a silence on the line, and he said, uh, you can read about it in my Associated uh, Press dispatch. Uh, he was one of the few journalists who turned me down, however. There were a great many others who were willing to trade their information for information I might have, which uh, uh, was uh, a frequent transaction in Vietnam. Any other uh, reporters you can remember who refused to have anything to do with the CIA? Can you name them? Well, there were, there were lots of young reporters uh, who didn't want to deal with the agency because uh, uh, they were very suspicious. Many of them had come out of the anti-war movement in the United States and uh, had a natural disinclination to, to trust any official agency. Uh, offhand, the names escaped me because, again, we weren't interested in going after the reporter for Ramparts magazine. We were interested in targeting those reporters who could get their material in the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times, and so forth. And um, once again, I want to make it perfectly uh, uh, clear that we were not hiring these reporters. They were not operating as our spies or as our dupes. But in a war situation, when there are so few sources of information, uh, a reporter may rely on a CIA contact, and he becomes vulnerable. In Saigon, if I planted a piece of information with a reporter, I would ordinarily then try to create an environment in which he could not check the information. I would go to the British ambassador and brief him on the disinformation I had just given the reporter. So when the reporter wanted to cross-check what I told him with, uh, say, the British ambassador, New Zealand ambassador, or what have you, he would get false confirmation, the same message coming back at him. He'd say, aha, I've got proof that Frank Snap told me the truth, when in fact, what he'd gotten was simply an echo of what uh, I'd given him in the first place via the British ambassador or other of our friendly diplomatic contacts. Frank, a, a two-part question. What, what were the objectives of the, or what was the objective of the CIA? What about the moral implications of what you were doing in feeding disinformation? Did the 
objective override the moral implications, moral problems? Well, the objective of the agency in general is to generate intelligence and get it back to Washington, to, to get at the truth and make sure the policymakers understand it. When you pl plant disinformation, you are diverging from that objective. And I think probably in retrospect, it was uh, very counterproductive. I am, as an XCI agent, uh, opposed to the disinformation activities uh, in which I was involved. I admit that I was involved, and I think it uh, uh, served no useful purpose. Uh, propagandizing the American uh, public or Congress is not the CIA's job. Uh, as to the morality of what the CIA was doing or that particular uh, activity, uh, the war was a very relative thing. It was a relativist environment, and uh, morality seldom came into play when uh, you were operating in the field. Uh, in my estimation, a CIA man should be amoral. Uh, that may sound pretty shocking to somebody, but what if my morality were that of a, a Nazi or agent, if you will? You wouldn't want me to be your intelligence officer. Keep the morals out of intelligence. Keep the truth in and stay away from disinformation. Well, what was the primary purpose of the CIA as you viewed it? Was it an, an intelligence gathering agency, or was it was an agency that was primarily involved in covert operations? They were both uh, part of the CIA's mandate in Vietnam, and the agency performed um, covert action, covert operations very well when the operations were held to a limited size and were of uh, limited objective. When they got big, like the Phoenix program, they got out of hand, and innocent people died as a result. Innocent, by that I mean people who are not connected with the communist movement. You might refresh our memory on the Phoenix program briefly. The Phoenix program was um, an assassin. Well, it was a program designed to neutralize the communist uh, cadre network throughout South Vietnam, mainly through capture. But it got out of hand, and what happened was Phoenix operatives operating under CIA control and the control of other agencies would would kill the the suspects, the people who were suspected of VC connections. Let's talk about Frank Snap for just a moment. You wrote a book uh, titled uh, Decent Interval, right? Uh, it was published. It's on the stands right now. What was your personal experience with the CIA after writing that book? My personal experience with the CIA was uh, a lawsuit. The U.S. government sued me for publishing Decent Interval without the CIA's approval, even though uh, nobody ever accused me of publishing any secrets in the book. Uh, the lawsuit uh, went all the way to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court came down with a decision which is historic in its implications. Uh, the Supreme Court decided that every government worker in a position of trust, whether in the CIA, State Department, National Security Council, has an implicit obligation to submit what he says or writes about his work to the government for censorship. If he doesn't, he is liable to monetary penalties, forfeiture of all of his profits, and all of the profits from decent interval, uh, my profits were forfeited to the government, and he is subject to, to a lifelong gag order, which means that he must continue to submit his statements to the government for approval. Again, even if there are no secrets involved, and even if he has signed no secrecy agreement with the government. This involves an implicit obligation. Had you signed a secrecy agreement? I signed six different secrecy agreements, and uh, the secrecy agreement that I signed on leaving the agency said the only thing I had to protect was secrets. I protected secrets. 
The Supreme Court said that didn't matter. I was obliged to protect even non-secrets. This is something unprecedented in American law. Straighten me out on one thing. If you write on anything else other than the CIA and your experiences, you do not have to submit it, right? Novels, screenplays, all are submitted. Everything? Everything. To the C not to the CIA, to the U.S. government for censorship. And again, anybody in the government now is under the same regime of censorship. One of the victims of the of the Vietnam War was, was the First Amendment, and my case was one of the, the cases that came out of the Vietnam War. To whom in the government do you submit it for review? Uh, I submit it first to the Central Intelligence Agency, and it's a case of uh, having the criticized censor the criticism. If I object to something the CIA tries to delete, then I go to court, and I have to argue before a judge that what I want to keep in is not injurious to the agency. Mm -hmm. That's an impossible argument to make because the courts in this country increasingly defer to the national security community in any cases like this. Well, now, how did, uh, how did your case differ from the decisions in the Pentagon paper? Was there any similarity at all? Yes, indeed, because uh, in the Pentagon Papers case, the Supreme Court recognized for the first time in American history, or I should say for the second time, that prior restraint, the use of gag orders, was permissible under certain circumstances in instances of impending peril to the national security. In my case, the Supreme Court broadened the circumstances under which prior restraint, the use of gag orders, uh, is permiss are permissible. And now gag orders can be applied to people who are not threatening the national security, who have simply held a job in the government and wish to speak about something that they have gained uh, knowledge of as a result of their government employment. What is your view of the Supreme Court decision in the Pentagon Papers case? It differs with the view normally held by uh, the press. The press views the Supreme Court decision to let the New York Times and the Washington Post publish the Pentagon Papers as a great victory for the journalistic profession and the principle of free speech. Uh, my view is somewhat different. Uh, as I said before, uh, that decision by the Supreme Court, uh, in effect, recognized the legitimacy of prior restraint and the use of gag orders under certain conditions. And uh, that's something that is not in the press's interests. And yet the press is often so short-sighted as to, to emphasize uh, the, the, uh, the small uh, victories and to neglect the implications of uh, what has been done by a court. Well, as a, uh, a strategy analyst, you've seen and read the Pentagon Papers, I presume. Was there any breach of security in that, in your opinion? There were several pieces of inf information in the Pentagon Papers which bore classified labels. As to whether they, their publication was injurious to the national security, I would say not. Some of the information which bore classified, uh, a classified label was, in fact, disinformation, information which was not accurate, but nonetheless classified. Can you think of anything that uh, would have given aid and comfort to the Moscow? Absolutely not. The Central Intelligence Agency has in itself, uh, has itself conducted a post-mortem on the Pentagon Papers, so has the Pentagon. Both have concluded that the publication of the papers had no uh, adverse consequences for national security. Okay, so way back when, uh, during, I, I, you know, when was this made? I, I'm not. Looks even like exactly the 1970s, sure. early 80s, maybe. 1970s, 80s, 
this is a guy named Frank Snepp, an ex-CIA agent, and he's discussing how uh, they would kind of coerce uh, media outlets to tell a different narrative. And it's no surprise that we're still dealing with that today. And, uh, and it's interesting to me uh, some of the language that he used there, but I just wanted to show how if it was happening way back then, of course it's happening now. And this has deep implications on the evolution of the freedom of speech in American history, how we're going from a time where gag orders were more of a corporate military industrial complex uh, side effect, right? But those yeah. same gag orders are now being passed on to corporate private companies, right? But mm -hmm. guess what? Whenever a private company is owned by somebody that wants to share the secrets, I guess it all gets out there. So that brings us to our next video, uh, how the GOP is likely to subpoena the FBI and the <laughs> DOJ over the Twitter files uh, in kind of a, a more modern expose on this same topic from this previous video we watched. Republican Congressman Mike Turner says both the FBI and the DOJ could be facing subpoenas following the release of the Twitter files. Watch this. Good. Well, we are definitely pursuing the Department of Justice and uh, also the FBI. And luckily, the January 6th committee has established some great legal precedent that shows that Congress has full access. So they're going to have very much a, a difficult time trying to prevent us getting those documents. And I think it will show a very troubling pattern. You know, we're also gonna be looking for who's the mastermind. And since this is not based on intelligence, this is not for malign actors, that the malign actors turn out to be the FBI themselves. Who is it that's coordinating this? How can we cut off the money, prohibit this in the future? Miranda Devine joins me now. After all this information, we have to find out who was behind this, right? Or which group of people was behind this in the FBI? Hi, David. Yes, look, I think that's a crucial thing to do, uh, to really clean out the FBI. And to do that, they need to find out who's at fault there, who uh, we're looking at the Washington field office in particular that seems to be very politicised. And it's interesting, um, uh, Congressman Turner mentioned that the January 6th committee uh, has set a lot of very useful legal precedent because they've absolutely uh, gone beyond the norms of political um, propriety mm -hmm. and uh, they've they've broken a lot of those norms and you can bet that the Republicans are going to take them up on the offer. Um, I just hope that this time, unlike uh, the previous time that the Republicans were in control, um, that they actually provide some accountability to people who lie to Congress. We saw uh, last time, we saw James Clapper and John Brennan lying with impunity. Nothing yep. ever happened to them. Um, we had those 51 former intelligence officials. They lied in that letter saying that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. Yes. Um, and Adam Schiff has lied nonstop. And that hasn't, you know, at all dented his career as the most powerful man in Congress, yeah. pretty much. You know, uh, I, I want to talk Pelosi. about I want to talk about Jim Baker. He was the former chief counsel at the FBI who made a switch and turnstile switch to uh, working at Twitter as the deputy counsel at Twitter. Uh, a lot of people thought maybe yeah. this was just an exception. Uh, but it turns out there are a lot of FBI agents that made that that turn. Right. That's right. There are more than a dozen uh, FBI, former FBI operatives who then ended up moving to Twitter straight after the 2016 election, which is interesting. 
Uh, I don't know whether they thought there would be too much heat at the FBI during the Trump administration uh, and they were parking themselves at Twitter or whether it was a concerted effort to control speech after the 2016 election because you remember the Democrats were freaking out and blaming uh, social media companies, blaming Google for the fact that Donald Trump won. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, the, they hadn't got the memo that the fix had to be in for Hillary Clinton. So uh, they were determined to prevent that. And we know that there's, you know, um, a Google meeting that was filmed, that was published, publicised straight after the 2016 election. So it's a very curious fact. And they were sprinkled, these uh, FBI former people, all over Twitter, but also Facebook, Google. Yes. Uh, all you have to do is have a look in LinkedIn and and see how many former FBI and CIA operatives fanned out to work at all levels, particularly you know, right. as senior executives in the moderation field yeah. uh, at Twitter. Yeah, no, well, the CIA uh, individuals, personnel are, are all over Facebook as well. Uh, Miranda, great reporting as always. Thank you very much. All right, wow. so how interesting that some of the stories we were covering in the previous few weeks uh, are kind of being looked at on a, a big political level now. Yeah. Uh, and a subpoena is going to happen. And, you know, Elon well, it's supposed Musk to be a company that we can trust. You know, we're supposed to be able to trust the FBI and the CIA, you know, and we can't. They're just. Yeah, they're acting as a political arm. Yeah, which is uh, doing not the bidding of their masters, right? Yeah, which is not supposed to be their job. I I was always under the impression that they were supposed to be the good guys, but it appears not. <laughs> exactly. And, and you know, I I was going to say Elon Musk has gotten a little a lot of flack for releasing some of this information or having Twitter kind of expose some of this that's gone on behind the scenes. Uh but he actually posted recently that he was thinking about uh, stepping down as the head of Twitter. I saw uh, that. But, but it says that Elon is going to stay as Twitter CEO after counting the mail-in votes, according to the <laughs> Babylon Bee. <laughs> That's cool. uh, so uh, same as uh, Biden, I guess, right? Yep. Um, but, you know, some people, you know, are spreading rumors that uh, – Rumors now swirling that Donald Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, has emerged as Elon Musk's pick for Twitter CEO. Mm -hmm. So how interesting if that came to pass. Yeah, I mean, I know, uh, you know, all that stuff about uh, Kanye West talking about Jared Kushner and stuff. I don't know if we covered that on the oh. show, but on Tucker Carlson. What are you referring to? Tell me about it. Oh, yeah. Well, he was just saying that he didn't trust him for some reason and that he just he just started kind of going off the rails and it had nothing to do like the Tucker Carlson piece that we saw on TV was not the same as, you know, I mean, it wasn't the full interviews. They, they had to edit it, of course, but it was a lot longer. And he was talking about how he trusts President Trump. He trusted Ivanka, but he did not did not trust Jared Kushner and his brother. So. Pretty interesting when you say Jared Kushner, because I, I think of Kanye saying that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, he does uh, own the office building uh, 666 in Manhattan or, or something or other. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, are talking about this. It, it would be interesting if he did pick up Twitter and... Well, um, now that's uh, Truth Social's competitor, so... 
Like, why would True. he do that? I mean, uh, why beat him when you can join him, right? <laughs> you can I guess merge. So. That'd be cool. Um, I mean, it makes sense because you're having so many conservatives flock to Twitter because of just some of the 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 funny things that Elon's kind of throwing back towards the uh, the truther community, I guess, you know, tossing some bones here and there of, oh, you know, you were right when you said you told, you know, you told us so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that brings us to uh, our next little video here. It's a new technology that allows AI to generate a face from oh, your man. recording. So basically the metaverse is here, everyone. Check this out. I'm Blowing Tools for Filmmakers Part 13. If you're a filmmaker or any kind of creative, your mind's gonna be blown by Creative Reality Studio 2.0. Creative Reality Studio lets you turn images of people into animated videos of them talking, which is mind-blowing enough, but the new version of Creative Reality Studio can also create characters for you using Stable Diffusion. You can even use GPT-3 to have AI come up with the script you want your character to say, or you can upload your own audio and Creative Reality Studio will animate your character to match your voiceover. Whoa. Wow. Creepy, but that cool. That looks cool, fascinating technology, but the metaverse is uh, is definitely here, man. It's scary, kind of. It's very unsettling, I guess is the right word that I would use. It's it's It looks real, but it's it, there's something like in my brain telling me that that's not real. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like unsettling. Yeah, you can always tell it's called the, the Uncanny Valley. Mm. And, um, you know, the reason I bring up all these tech topics with Twitter and collusion and, and AI is because as technology advances, you're going to see it come and go. Uh, for example, check this out. TikTok will soon be banned on all government devices. Good. So, uh, that's interesting to me, uh, know that they're starting to ban social media platforms right from devices and mm -hmm. you know whether you like tiktok or not uh it makes me wonder how long until uh certain services ban uh the ability to interact with social media platforms because of the disinformation they're trying to hide right wouldn't they be banning it because of china china has all of our information as soon as you hit you know, approve or I accept, you know, they have all your info so they could use that as a weapon. Yeah, that so is it true. Has good and bad to it. You know, like TikTok I, I've, I had, and then once I learned about the terms and conditions, I was out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I saw that, uh, that video Joe Rogan posted where he read through and Theo Vaughn, uh, yeah. how many uh, rights you give over. But, you know, back to the point I was trying to make is, you know, if, if a platform can be banned, then just wait till, you know, there's too much truth being dumped on places like Twitter or, or you know, if, if you're on Truth Social or Rumble or whatever and there's apps, then imagine how the, the power of the man to shut down freedom of speech if any platform or app can be banned from a device. Yep. Well, while they're still up, uh, you guys can follow Skiba News Nation on all those accounts, but TikTok. So there's that. Yeah, please do.
All right, so uh, that was the the cool uh, you know AI stuff I wanted to show it, you guys. It's scary to me because they could they could totally frame somebody. They could make today a patsy out of an everyday person. They can make me into a patsy. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. did Lee Harvey Oswald, which we'll be talking about history, but they could do that with ease now with just AI. I mean, that's the scary and part. How for... would you prove your identity? Exactly. And that's where where we get into the weeds in terms of to protect your identity, you'll have to give up some of your liberty. And uh, oh man, you know, um, just to go into uh, something maybe uh, uh, more positive. Uh, this next video is a video of the Aurora Borealis. Um, and uh, let's check this clip out here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. So just a reminder that if you get sucked into the metaverse, you're missing reality. And that's what's happening in reality, if you know what I mean. That was Boom. sweet. That was so beautiful. That was cool. Here's a gentleman observing a lion in, uh, in real life, wishing he was wearing virtual reality. <laughs> oh, no. Run, run! Oh my god! Like at that point, just just stay as still as you can, right? Yeah, because you're dead if you if you get it, you know, into predatory mode. So, uh, pretty terrifying. Yeah, that almost freaked me out. <laughs> <laughs> he was just sitting there, like, I'm gonna see a lion today, and yeah. then it comes right next to him, and he's like. I wish I was not so interested in lions. <laughs> I wish I was watching oh. Animal Planet. Oh, <laughs> uh, so I just wanted to throw a little bit of a, a positive look at the world there. Uh, That's funny. Since, you know, the metaverse is here. Don't miss out living your life in the real world. Uh, but that brings us to our next video here, which is a, a nurse uh, from Frontline Doctors, I believe. Um, let's check this video out. Hey everyone, it's Nicole Saratek with American Frontline Nurses. And I just want to give you another heads up that we are getting reports from uh, patients across the country that when they go into the hospital, they decline remdesivir, but um, the staff is saying it's not remdesivir, it's Vecleri. Well, Vecleri is the brand name for remdesivir. So just remember that each drug has two names, a brand name and a generic name. So the generic name is remdesivir and the brand name is Vecleri. And also while you're at it, in the comment section below, tell me what your experience was with the drug remdesivir and how it changed your life. Even when people request to not receive the, the treatment for COVID, uh, they change the name and give it to you anyways if they don't get you in that way check this out uh so the fda finally comes out and says that pfizer's you know what causes blood clots 
Oh, mm. only two years late. Hmm. Interesting. So the current sentiment going around is, oh, we all received bad information because it's so blatantly obvious the adverse health effects of this big me medical experiment and also the agenda in the hospitals uh, with some of these other treatments. Uh, it, it's blatantly obvious that we were duped as a society, as as nations of the world. We were duped by uh, money-hungry pharmaceutical companies, and uh, and now the, even the FDA is admitting uh, some of these uh, adverse effects. So, uh, you know what a what an interesting fulfillment of the Georgia Guidestones. <laughs> you know, if they're really trying to put people in the grave lower the world population and uh you know maybe that's why those uh uh those big monu megalithic monument uh commandments of the georgia guidestones were destroyed was because they have accomplished their mission right yeah speaking of uh, did they ever catch the person that did that because i don't know if you're out there you feel free to reach out to us anonymously and uh i would love to interview you or just shake your hand <laughs> Some cool stuff right there. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, why are we so surprised, though, that the FDA and, and Big Pharma and the U.S. government and all these people that can collude to affect our freedom of speech, to alter our opinions? Uh, why are we so surprised? Um, I mean, here's another video. Uh, just look at the way that chemicals are marketed and turned into dollar signs uh, and this is the perfect example check this video out about citric acid so it appears that the general public is still not fully informed on how toxic this citric acid truly is so let's head over to your government's biotech website and see how they expose their own fda here your government explains how citric acid is found in nature however 99 percent of it is carried out using Aspergillus niger. Let's take a look at what Aspergillus niger truly is. Horrifyingly, here they explain plain as day that the manufactured citric acid that's found in your manufactured foods is a mutant strain of the black mold Aspergillus niger. Here they explain how we've been tricked into thinking that the citric acid that is in your toxic foods is coming from lemons and limes. However, it's misleading because the citric acid that they're adding to our foods is coming from black mold. Here they expose their own FDA saying that manufactured citric acid is under the category as generally recognized as safe without any research to substantiate the claim. Let's read it out loud here. Thus, MCA was considered generally recognized as safe and did not undergo any FDA evaluation. MCA is one of the most common additives used today. Here they explain how the black mold version of citric acid is significantly different and may cause deleterious effects when ingested. Here they reference multiple case studies of people having toxic effects to this citric acid. You really need to understand that this citric acid is no joke and if it's being used as a preservative, they don't have to list it as an ingredient. It's in everything, even your meat products. We have to understand that this is not an accident. They're doing this on purpose and they have to tell us, otherwise they would not be posting this.
Wow. Wow. So it's it's kind of that satanic principle of if I give you poison and tell you it's poison and you eat it anyways, am I really killing you or are you committing suicide? <laughs> yeah. So uh, that brings to mind this final video uh, which uh, discusses the massive blood clots that are being found in people. Let's check this out. Okay. Starting around the middle of last year, the middle of 2021, reports of these unusually long blood clots began to pop up across the entire world. You can see from the pictures that these are thick, twisted, rubbery clots that are sometimes several feet long. Here is, for instance, what a funeral director over in Alabama told us here at the Epic Times. Quote, we as embalmers are seeing some strange clots since the COVID outbreak. These clots are very rubbery feeling and very long as they exit the veins that we use during the embalming procedure. They really appear to be like earthworms. I have never seen this in my career until now. Likewise, another funeral director who has been in the business for over 21 years told us this, quote, prior to COVID, perhaps five to 10% of people had these clots. Now, more than half of the bodies I see have them. So what is going on here? What is causing these blood clots? Well, that's not exactly clear. However, I will tell you that almost all the embalmers we spoke with asked us to keep their identities private. What are they so afraid of? Leave your thoughts in the comments and subscribe for more. Wow. How That's creepy, just like man. that it's documentary. Like... Uh, yep. What's the name of Died it? Died Suddenly. Yes. And it's on Died our Patreon suddenly. if you guys yeah. want to check it out. But that, that, man, I could not watch the, when they were pulling those things out. Oh my gosh. Oh my I was goodness. Like, He's like, babe, let me know when it's over because I, <laughs> like, I can watch, I can watch the true crime shows, but I cannot watch that kind of stuff. It just weirds me out. That is so crazy. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, whenever you see that it's widespread being reported, it's uh, it's very uh, telling that something is changing that is allowing these growths in people's bodies and. And I, when he described it as almost an earthworm, it, it went straight to, man, it's almost like some type of parasitic blood growth. And, uh, and then I thought about how uh, a lot of people were treating COVID with ivermectin and how ivermectin is an anti-parasitic. That's uh, crazy. And, you know, I, I really wonder, man, you know, what is causing this in people and, uh, you know, how well, I mean, much... we kind we kind of know what's causing it, but we can't say. Oh yeah, yeah, of course we we know what's causing it, but uh, it, it's, it's almost like th they show you these crazy things, and you're just like, wow, how could that even be possible? But yeah, so I what, mean, what does it definitely... do? It just it just like like it just causes a blood. Why? What makes it into an earthworm? That's what is so gross and and. Yeah, they're so me. big and rubbery. And thick. And, oh, they're man. like they're like globs of I don't know. It's just so weird. Wow. All right. So <laughs> enough of the uh, the crazy, uh, gross the depressing stuff. news, gross news of this world's crazy, uh, you know, medical experimentation and the results of that. But um, uh, let me see here. Uh, yeah, I think that's all the the news stories for today, Jeremiah. Do you have any other thoughts on some of those topics? No, I mean, thank you for sharing. I mean, that's a lot of stuff that I didn't know of. I mean, like I always say, I, I try to not watch the news so I can be informed on your show or on this show, on our show. And uh, 
thank you. Those are great topics. So right, I think man, thanks. I think it's time for an all new Opus Corn. Take it away, Opa. My hut, der hat drei Ecken. Drei Ecken hat mein Hut. Und hat er nicht drei Ecken, dann ist es nicht mein Hut. Opa's Corner, Opa's Corner, Opa's on the way. The devil was sitting at the gates of hell when an old man suddenly arrived in a burst of flames, looking confused and lost. The devil looked at his paperwork and frowned. He was unable to find this old man's data file. This can't be right, the old man said looking at the devil accusingly. I've been a good man my whole life. The devil nodded apologetically. Most people said this when they arrived at hell. Why don't you start with how you died and we'll figure it out. The old man sighed and said, well, I was out with my grandchildren enjoying a fun day out. I don't get my grandchildren often because my eyesight is starting to fade but we were having the most wonderful time. And that's when everything went crazy. Out of nowhere, I spotted the largest, most grotesque mouse I have ever seen move toward us. It was absolutely enormous. And that's when it moved straight toward the grandchildren with his limbs outstretched. You don't know where mice have been. What if it had bitten one of them? Can you imagine if they got rabies on my watch? So what did you do? The devil whispered, entranced by the story. He was munching on a box of popcorn. The old man continued. You don't get how big this mouse was. It must have been radiation. Too many phones these days. That's what causes it. I did the only thing I could. I grabbed my walking stick and I cracked it over the head. Now my eyesight isn't very good anymore, but I whacked it good. The kids started screaming at this point. You know how they get when you have to kill an animal. But I needed to keep going. You see, with mice, you need to see their guts to know that they're dead. Otherwise, they'll be back with others. So, you killed it? The devil asked. Some of the demigods had come to listen to the story. The old man nodded. By golly, I did. Guts were splattered everywhere. The kids had lost their mind at this point. Tears everywhere. A crowd had gathered as well, all screaming at the sight. It was at this point, though, that the exertion caught up with me. I felt my heart give way. I must have suffered a heart attack. Next thing I know, I'm here. Well, the devil said concerned, this doesn't seem to add up. Let me just give heaven a call and we'll try to see what's going on here. The devil pulled up the phone from thin air and dialed a number. Hey, Jesus, the devil said. I think I got one of yours here. His story checks out. Must have been a mix-up. The devil nodded as a voice on the phone spoke back to him. He gave the old man a silent sub sublatory thumbs up 
as the voice continued. The devil covered the phone speaker with his hand and turned around to the old man and said, You're all good. They just want to know where you were when you died. The old man nodded. Oh, that's easy. I was at Disneyland. What? Opa, did you write that? <laughs> that's so ironic. Joss was excited. As his first official duty as a parish priest, fresh out of school, he got to officiate his first funeral for a homeless man with no friends or family. The young priest vowed to give him the most loving send-off, the love he probably missed in his life. The funeral was to be held at a new cemetery across town, and this man was to be the first to be laid to rest there. New to the area, Father Josh arrived late, but he noticed a few workers gathering around a grave opening. The young and enthusiastic priest poured out his heart and soul as he gave his sermon and he recited the prayers. His voice was so evocative and powerful that he brought the cemetery workers to tears. When the service was over, the priest thanked the workers for listening and walked to his car. As he opened the door, Josh heard one of the workers say to another, I've never seen anything like it before. I've been putting in septic tanks for over 20 years. <laughs> and now for the funnies. Now for some holiday funnies. Chiropractor. <laughs> Rudolph's bad idea. A winter dog sleigh. No. Woof, woof. Bark, bark. Right in the middle of the produce aisle, Frosty gets caught Picking his nose. <laughs> Snowman at a marshmallow roast. <laughs> Pause just when you thought it was safe to go back on the tree. <laughs> Right, we picked up the golden myrrh. What on earth is that? No, I will not sell you my naughty list. Mm -hmm. He's stuck again. I think your mask is too tight. <laughs> I'm substituting for one of the guys in ZZ Top tonight. You do kind of look like Sam. Season's greetings. Nutmeg. Paprika. 
Hey, Bob, how you doing? Vern, long time no see. How to balance on a roof, 101. Free testing in rear. I thought they just swabbed your nose. <laughs> Claustrophobia. I definitely have that. Brr, rub, rub. Ah! No, no, no. I said off to the Schmidt house. <laughs> oh, Anna, I love what you've done to the place. <laughs> Where's Dasher? He got a new gig. DoorDash. <laughs> They want to work from home. <laughs> Just before the flight, the disgruntled crew prepared their own silent protest. Beans, beans, beans. <laughs> and I've only one thing to say about all these complaints I've been hearing about. Venison. With gas prices out of sight, Santa uses an alternative fuel source. Beans. Gassy. Tudor. Stinker. Just admit it. We're lost. Look out for the ice hole! Why don't you call me? Hmm. Bah! Hum! Bug! Hmm. Is he ever going to throw that stick? I feel like nobody really likes me. Fruitcake. I'm the little trumpet cat. The little drummer boy was double booked. <laughs> At some point, They'll get together and remove the crap from inside our gifts. <laughs> yep. Air guitar. <laughs> Fifteen days without an elf getting mangled in gift wrapping machine. Mm. 
I left a couple of gifts for you in the litter box. Merry Christmas! Letters to, uh, from Santa. Dear Mr. and Mrs. Smith, I received little Kevin's letter. Please leave $100 under the cookie plate and I will not deliver the drum set. And here's a holiday sign. This is a stop sign. <laughs> And that concludes Opa's Corner. My hoot, der hat drei Ecken. Drei Ecken hat mein Hut. Und hat er nicht drei Ecken, dann ist es nicht mein Hut. Opa's Corner is now available on my own YouTube channel. Like, share, and subscribe. Hold it. Opa has a few more funnies for the holidays. I think this whole traveling around the world giving gifts to all the children every year thing is just for you to avoid spending Christmas with my mother. I hate when elves help decorate the tree. And that's a lot bigger than the one you've been using now. Better brains. <laughs> Somebody's been working out. The year Santa hired a consultant. All snowmen will now be referred to as snow persons all reindeer as air freight specialists, and all elves as Santa's size-challenged assistants. And that's all. Take it away, guys. Thank you, Opa. It's funny that first Opa's Corner story, I had to ask him, it, did you write that? Because did you know, as a fun fact, Opa died at Disneyland and was brought back to life inside of the park. So he was technically dead and born at Disneyland. Oh, wow. It is, a, it is the craziest thing I've ever experienced. Like, scary, but but now now looking back on it, it's it's... They should give you a birth certificate, right? Yeah. Yeah, you get lifetime passes. Apparently that's a myth, but... Anyways, thank you, Opa. So it's time for history. So today I'm going to call this... Uh, the JFK assassination revisited because today JFK is in the news again because of uh, some of the files being released and uh, 
So if you guys have seen episode three, me and my mom and my girlfriend, we all went to Dealey Plaza and I have some never before seen very cool footage that I want to share with you. And I also want to share my personal theory with you guys uh, and uh, with with some of that new video. So go ahead and play that first clip. Here in Daily Plaza, for Stephen News Nation. Right there. Yikes. You are currently standing in the exact spot where Abraham Zapruder shot the infamous Zapruder film on November 22, 1963. By integrating historical footage with modern compositing software, you are about to be immersed in a historical event that took place over 50 years ago. Before we roll the film, let's point out something of great significance. The large eight-story building to your left is the Texas School Book Depository Building, where Lee Harvey Oswald allegedly assassinated John F. Kennedy. Allegedly. His exact location was the southeastern corner of the sixth floor. Unfortunately, a tree is somewhat blocking that exact location from where you're standing now. Yeah, we're gonna go there next. Theory one, the grassy knoll shooter. It's, it's so so much of a simpler shot. This is only a try for So the Babushka lady would have been standing right about here. So I'm about to go stand where the fatal shot was. President going back and to his left. Shot from the front and right. Back and to the left. Back and to the left. Back and to the left. So far away from that window. There's no way that rifle could have shot him in my opinion. So if you see those, that first X right there, that was when Kennedy did this. Frame 225, the president emerging from behind the road sign. You can see that he's obviously been hit, raising his arms to his throat. And he was apparently shot in the neck. Frame 193, the second shot hits Kennedy in the throat from the front. Frame 161, Kennedy stops waving as he hits him. Conley's head turns slightly to the right. So here's a cool view from behind the actual spot where a lot of people, I put a Skiba News Nation sticker there. But this is what the shooter would have seen if there was a shooter at the grassy knoll.
is the X. Okay, so this kind of gets in the, to my theory. So remember that drain. girlfriend predicting that the CIA did it, which is important for JFK. So my theory is that this drainage ditch right here is where the shooter went down and went all the it goes all the way down the street to where it perfectly matches up with Kennedy's fatal headshot. So I'm gonna put a sticker there. So anybody from Dallas, go check out all the stickers we put there. Let me know if they're still there. So there's that. It goes from that top part all the way to that drain. It's drainage ditch. Perfect hiding place, if you ask me. I think he came right back out of here, too. So after he was done, he came right back out the same way he came So that's where the storm drain is. That's where it comes from from up there. We filmed it earlier. Goes all the way down underneath us, right here. The X is right behind me. I can also show you a view from the storm drain. So this is what the shooter would have seen from his angle. Back into the left. The X. So with that storm, uh, that storm drain in mind, we're gonna rewatch this this Zapruder film footage. And there's the ditch. Boom. Let's take a closer look at the scene of the crime. If the Warren Commission's report is correct, Oswald's first shot completely missed the motorcade. Ricochet. There's the drain again. So Oswald was all the way up in that window. And exploding near the bridge to your far left. He shot that bridge, allegedly. allegedly. A bystander in the process. The second shot struck Kennedy near the spine and exited through his neck. Mate. Hitting John Connolly in the back, ribs, wrist and leg in the process this was the magic bullet shot the third shot entered the rear of the president's head and exited the right side and it made it go back into the you are now standing in the exact spot where the third bullet struck the president's head the distance between where you are standing and oswald's sniping location is approximately 265 feet or 81 meters as you can see, it is a fairly direct shot towards the sixth floor window, especially if the driver is following the lines in the road. Let's watch the footage one more time with this new information in mind. That shot, maybe. Colder. Storm drain. So, 
I really believe that the shooter was in that storm drain. And the reason is because back into the left, like, like the movie JFK always says, back into the left, back into the left. And I know uh, Opa also has a theory about the CIA being involved. And he actually, like we talked about last week, Opa, you saw JFK, didn't you? Right before, probably two or three blocks away. Yeah, I was uh, on the parade route before he uh, turned onto uh, uh, the road to go down through the underpass. So I was like two or three blocks away. So I might have heard the popping, but I, I didn't know what was happening until later. So you probably saw moments before. Yep, that's right. That's crazy. And I know that you believe that, that the CIA was somewhat involved, correct? Well, uh, either the CIA or Secret Service. I, I think that uh, perhaps uh, the follow car to the president's car had a lot of uh, Secret Service agents. And uh, I think when, when they heard the first shot, uh, they grabbed uh, their weapons, and one of them was a rifle, and the car uh, the president's car took off real fast as soon as they heard the shot. And I think what happened then was the follow car took off and the agent that had the shot, had the, uh, the gun was kind of like jerked backwards. And I think he accidentally shot or pulled the trigger, which ended up hitting the president from behind. Well, I think I'm about to blow both of y'all's minds. So this is how it regard or how, how it connects with modern or today with the uh, release of those files let's play that second clip so not long after jack ruby shot lee harvey oswald on camera in the basement of dallas police headquarters a lot of americans started to have some questions about the kennedy assassination it was you'd have to admit a pretty extraordinary sequence of events a lone gunman murders the president of the united states and then less than 48 hours later that lone gunman is himself murdered by another lone gunman. What are the odds of that? It's one thing if you get struck by lightning, rare but possible. But if every member of your family also gets struck by lightning all on different days, you might begin to suspect these are not entirely natural events. But oh, replied the US government, they are. This bizarre chain of killings was all entirely natural. So less than a year after the JFK assassination, the Johnson White House released something called the Warren Commission Report. And the report concluded that while their motives remained unclear, both Lee Oswald and Jack Ruby had acted alone. No one helped them. There was no conspiracy of any kind. Case closed. Time to move on. Many Americans did move on. At the time, they had no idea how shoddy and corrupt the Warren Commission was. 50 years before the CIA admitted under duress that in fact it had withheld information from investigators about its relationship with Lee Harvey Oswald. Before that was known, the government's explanation didn't seem entirely plausible, and some people started asking obvious questions about it. It was at that point, as Americans started to doubt the official story, that the term conspiracy theory entered our lexicon. The term conspiracy theory did not exist as a phrase in everyday American conversation before 1964. In 1964, the year the Warren Commission issued its report, the New York Times published five stories in which conspiracy theory appeared. Now today, of course, the term conspiracy theory appears in pretty much every New York Times story about American politics. It's wielded, now as then, as a weapon against anyone who asks questions the government doesn't feel like answering. But despite 60 years of name calling, those questions have not disappeared. In fact, they have multiplied with time. And here's one of them. 
In April of 1964, a psychiatrist called Louis Joylin West visited Jack Ruby in his isolation cell in a Dallas jail. According to West's written assessment, he found that Jack Ruby was, quote, technically insane and in need of immediate psychiatric hospitalization. Those are conclusions that, puzzlingly, no one who had spoken to Jack Ruby previously had reached. Ruby had seemed perfectly sane to the people who knew him. Louis Joylin West pronounced him crazy. But what, what West did not say was that he was working for the CIA at the time. Louis Joylin West was a contract psychiatrist for the spy agency. He was also an expert on mind control and a prominent player in the now infamous MKUltra program in which the CIA mm. gave powerful psychiatric drugs to Americans without their knowledge. So of all the psychiatrists in the world, what in the world was this guy doing in Jack Ruby's prison cell? The media did not seem interested in finding out. In fact, the New York Times, in an extensive 1999 obituary of West, never mentioned the fact that he had worked for the CIA, much less his time in Jack Ruby's cell. Which seems relevant. The story's crazy. Imagine is from episode if the whistleblower three? had not come forward and we didn't know about MKUltra. And, and, and all those oh, documents yeah. didn't yeah. get, they didn't find the warehouse where the documents right. were. Uh, Just imagine. This is the Jack Ruby stuff, which I guess you haven't gotten to yet. Jolly was Jack Ruby's psychiatrist. Oh, Jesus. Jolly West inserted himself into the Ruby case after Ruby was convicted of shooting and killing Oswald in the spring of 64. Before he was going to testify to the Warren Commission, he had never told, uh, he had never testified at his trial about why he, he killed Oswald. His defense argument was that uh, he had epilepsy and he had had an epileptic fit and shot him and was amnesic of the, of the, the shooting. Holy sh**. Uh, and that fits right into the narrative like a key. Well, this gets better. So West inserts himself into the case, gets assigned through his connections to Ruby's new lawyer, Hubert Winston Smith, who's a whole other kettle of fish. But anyway, goes to the Dallas County Jail in, I think it was April of 64, to examine Ruby in preparation for his next trial, because he, he had gotten a new, uh, an appeal. Uh, for a psychiatric review, and West, who had told Sidney Gottlieb in, in these early letters from the 50s that part of his experiments were inducing insanity in a person without their awareness. West goes to examine Ruby, emerges from the county jail, and there's press waiting for him, and he announces that within the preceding 48 hours, um, Ruby had had a uh, psychotic break that was uh, irrevocable. It, it, it couldn't, he couldn't return to sanity. He had audio and visual hallucinations. During the exam, he said Ruby hid under a table because he thought there were people in the room trying to kill him. Told West that he could hear children's screams outside his jail cell, as Jewish children, as they were boiled alive. And West said he's completely insane the day. I mean, there was no evidence of Ruby being mentally ill prior to West's exam. West was along with him in the cell and then treated him for about six months. When Ruby finally gave his testimony to the Warren Commission, the three of them, uh, you know, put Ruby under oath and Ruby babble was incoherent, grabbed Arnold Inspector, who was like him Jewish, and he said, don't you know they're killing Jews? Uh, and and they, they killed my brother and cut off his legs. I hear them being tortured outside. So they couldn't use anything. West, that was one of his objectives uh, in his MKUltra research, was to make people induce insanity without a person's awareness. Was there any contact with Jack Ruby before he killed that Oswald? Was, Ruby, yeah. Ruby had a lot of uh, connections to organized crime and federal. He was part of 
which later emerged of the anti-Castro-Cuban effort to overthrow Fidel Castro, Ruby admitted never that he stalked and killed Oswald on the orders of, of anyone, but that he was working with these people who were suspected of being involved in the assassination if there was a conspiracy. And he had never admitted that to anyone. Uh, it's only in, in West's file. And West withheld that. So you can see why non-crazy people would wonder about what really happened. And of course, many have wondered. In 1976, long forgotten, the House of Representatives impaneled a special committee to reinvestigate the JFK assassination. Their bipartisan conclusion? Jack Kennedy was almost certainly murdered as the result of a conspiracy. But the question is, a conspiracy by whom? Well, the obvious suspect would be the CIA. Why else would the agency withhold critical evidence for investigators? Is there a benign explanation for that, for maintaining this level of secrecy for this many years? Not that we're aware of. And it is illegal. In 1992, Congress passed the President John F. Kennedy Assassination Records Collection Act. That act mandated full disclosure of all documents by 2017, 54 years after JFK was killed. The Biden administration did exactly the same thing. That would be thousands of pages of documents after nearly 60 years after the death of every single person involved. But we still can't see them. Clearly it's not to protect any person, they're all dead. It's to protect an institution. So it kinda has to do with wow. what we were talking about earlier a little bit. I mean, that was that was on December 15th, 2022. And the, the CIA confirmed that they were involved somehow, but they wouldn't say how. And isn't that interesting that that was the first time the term conspiracy theory was used in everyday life? I mean, in my opinion, Lee Harvey Oswald didn't do anything and he really was a patsy. They had Jack Ruby kill him before he could say anything. I mean, what are your thoughts? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's so many different areas of this uh mainstream narrative that are being exposed by these documents that are coming out. I mean, you were talking about how even recently there's, you know, more and more information coming out about what really happened. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it, it's crazy that they wait, you know, however many years to finally unveil the truth. It's, it's almost like they have to wait till, till anybody who would have been affected is either, out of power or has died off and then they're like okay then you can tell everybody what happened because nobody wants to be responsible uh and and it makes me wonder if the very same thing is going to happen with what's happening politically in today's world if a lot of the you know truth of what is going on isn't going to come out for another you know 30 40 years or at least that's their hope and they're going to keep hiding things that go down to allow people to get off the hook yep i mean my personal opinion is the person that masterminded this whole thing was lbj lyndon baines johnson who took oath on the on the tarmac or inside of of air force one at love field here in dallas texas one of i, I believe i think there's only two presidents that have been sworn in office outside of washington dc and it was george washington and lbj and so who had who like if you're looking at it as a detective what is the motive who benefits the most from the death of you know jfk 
LBJ. I mean, he wanted to be president so bad. And he, I mean, he, he's on record saying how much he hated the Kennedys and, and just, he was a really terrible person. I mean, I don't know. But, uh, so before we show this, this last clip, um, and this is all about Lee Harvey Oswald because I find him fascinating and why they chose him and how they chose him and how they had no evidence. Like if this were to happen today, they wouldn't be able to convict them. There was no zero evidence. And so what me, my mom, and, and my girlfriend Lindsay did was we, same day we shot all that, we, we filmed uh, Lee Harvey Oswald location. So I want to show these two pics before, these two pictures. So Opa, can you pull up the first picture? Here's the famous, quote, doctored photo, right? Now check this out. Here's picture two. Same spot. One, there's Lee, and there's me. But there'll be, there'll be more of that here in this, in this third clip, but I just want to share this with you guys. So let's go ahead and play clip number three. The day after he was murdered, the New York Times pronounced Oswald as the killer of President Kennedy. The Warren Commission concluded that Ruby shot Oswald acting alone. It was not premeditated or planned, and Ruby had no help entering the building. The people had, would have so much to gain and have such a material motive for putting me in a position I'm in. We'll never let the true facts Two months after winning his appeal and being granted a new trial outside of Dallas, Jack Ruby was found riddled with cancer in his prison cell. He was placed in the hospital, and one month before his new trial was to begin, he died. Hmm. The Warren Commission never exposed Ruby's connections to the mafia, the FBI, like or with gun running and gambling figures in Miami and Cuba. On other parts of the of the case that government put against Lee Oswald. Uh, obviously, he was dead. He had no chance to have cross-examined uh, witnesses. Uh, he had no lawyer appointed. These people have given me a hearing without legal representation or anything. I didn't shoot anybody, no, sir. Mark Lane, an attorney out of New York, tried to get uh, legal representation for uh, Lee Oswald, in fact, went to the commission and asked, can I represent Lee Oswald? And they denied it because, again, this is this is not a typical court hearing. This commission has functioned in a fashion which totally disregards the rights of the accused. I don't know if anybody's in it, but I know the case which has been presented against him is full of falsehoods and contradictions. And I know that right now in the office of the Dallas District Attorney is a paraffin test which shows I can tell you from my experiences having tried several hundred cases to verdict and being responsible for thousands of cases ahead of the criminal courts and running the Homicide Bureau that I don't believe there's any courtroom in America where Oswald would have been convicted on the evidence that was presented before the Warren Commission. So this is all footage from inside. You're not supposed to film, but I had to show this. Lies. What? Lies. Of course. 
So on November 22, 1963, Lee Harvey Oswald was arrested and taken into custody right here in front of the Texas Theater. And this is the boarding house Lee Harvey Oswald stayed in, 1026 North Beckley Avenue, Dallas, Texas. Now this is 214 West Neely Street in Dallas, Texas, where Lee Harvey Oswald and his wife lived, where those famous doctored photos were taken. Now here in a little bit, we're going to recreate those photos as me, as Lee Harvey Oswald, showing exactly how they match up and... Big shout out to my mom and my lovely girlfriend who here in a second are going to help me line up that picture perfectly. The things we do for you guys here on <laughs> Skipper News Nation. I wouldn't do this by yourself. I don't recommend it, but we did it just for you guys. So here we're walking through somebody's backyard. Um, there are no signs, no anything. And then as soon as my mom turned around, you can tell that is the famous place. famous doctor photo there's Lee there's me there's Lee and there's me one more time there's Lee and me and then the other photo Lee me Lee me those photos were taken in March of 1963 his wife would be taking the photos so we decided to leave a little bit after that because we didn't want to be you know randomly in somebody's backyard but those famous stairs and that famous gate I mean, those photos have been studied by people all throughout history. And so we decided to do this as a historical piece of video that you guys could enjoy and we could share with you guys. Now, I'm not glorifying Lee Harvey Oswald, but I'm just saying that I don't think that he was a lone gunman with the JFK assassination. I think he was set up. Now, I highly recommend that you guys don't just <laughs> barge in like we did, but you can. I mean, there are no signs, but, you know, who knows how much longer that that kind of history will last. I mean, it, it's, I mean, all over the United States, they love to tear down history. Luckily, Daily Plaza is exactly the same. I don't think that'll ever change because of the significance that it means for America. Like, that was one of the biggest moments. I mean... I, me and you weren't born then, but people like Opa will always remember, I mean, well, he was actually there, but people of his generation will always remember where they were when Jack Kennedy was shot, always. And it's just a crazy, crazy thing that happened, and, and, and they made it more of a conspiracy because they, they refused to give we the people the the evidence they, they they just hid it from us so we don't know and and of course there's a conspiracy i mean everybody can see that and so i don't know do you have any thoughts about that i'm not glorifying him in any way i don't know if he did or didn't do it but i don't think he would have been convicted today if he had a trial in today's world if he would have lived long enough to even go to trial kind of like epstein but I, th yeah, I didn't I think guess. Epstein did it, <laughs> for sure. Just, just the simple phrase, those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Exactly. So, Yeah, I just wanted to shoot that, guy, uh, shoot that video for you guys because, you know, it may not be there much longer. So, Anyways, that's all I got for the, the JFK Revisited, is what I call it. And uh, this, this last clip, I want to 
it kind of confirms what you were saying about, you know, the news and the fake news and who controls the news and just check this out. By running constant 24 hour news cycles based upon fear, division, outrage and panic. First of all, I don't agree with what you're saying. There's nothing fake about CNN. There's nothing fake about CNN. You are fake news. We are not fake news. We are real news. Much of the dossier has been corroborated. Some rioters were planning to murder lawmakers. What does Putin <laughs> have on Trump? Has Trump been compromised? That Kavanaugh aided and abetted in the commission of a gang rape. But it does look like that young man to me is taunting the Native American Vietnam vet and he's in his face. There's nothing fake about CNN. When you start whipping people with, and you want to split hairs between reins and whips. There is no evidence of any wrongdoing by either Joe or Hunter Biden. Looking ahead to 2020, <laughs> uh, one reason why I'm taking you seriously as a contender is because of your presence on cable news. There's nothing fake about CNN. A widely held conspiracy theory that the coronavirus was created in a Chinese laboratory. We know the science. We know that masks work. This is now a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It is now a pandemic of choice. You can stay unvaccinated if you want, but you're not going to be able to travel to see your family. There's nothing fake about CNN. Joe Rogan, uh, he came down with COVID. He says, he says he's been taking the uh, livestock dewormer uh, ivermectin i hope you are able to appreciate what you did in your state and what it means for the rest of the country disturbing video last night showed jacob blake unarmed being shot by police there's nothing fake about cnn obviously we do it overseas <laughs> against our adversaries but we don't spy on americans if you want to believe the nsa is reading your favorite tv star's emails go right ahead he claims it's true the nsa denies it of course there is no one more knowledgeable more decent more honest uh, more committed to the interests of America than John Brennan. There's nothing fake about CNN. Domestic terrorism seems to be starting to spread virally in the way that we saw that happen overseas with ISIS. Violence has erupted during anti-lockdown protests. What you are seeing now, these images came and come in stark contrast to what we saw over the course of the daytime hours in Kenosha and into the early evening, which were largely peaceful demonstrations. If only we had a vaccine against BS. There's nothing fake about CNN. And then you have talk show stars <laughs> like Joe Rogan who just wing it, who make it up as they go along. And because figures like Rogan are trusted by people that don't trust real newsrooms. They're like, why don't people trust me? They trust Rogan, but I'm perfectly trustworthy. Look how loose my tie knot is. We have a tension, a problem that's much bigger than Spotify, much bigger than any single platform, Kate. But that's what the, is the heart of this. Wait, what's the heart of this? <laughs> You're jealous of Joe Rogan. The narrative is, I want to show all kinds of opinions which sounds great, but not all opinions are created equal. You think about major newsrooms like CNN that have health departments and deaths and operations that work hard on verified information on COVID-19. And then you have talk show stars like Joe Rogan who just wing it, who make it up as they go along. And because figures like Rogan are trusted by people that don't trust real newsrooms, we have a tension, a problem that's much bigger than Spotify, much bigger than any single platform, Kate, but that's what the, is the heart of this right now. Yeah, but you're right. It is getting at something bigger that isn't going to be solved in one Joe Rogan video or one statement from Spotify. That's for sure. It's good to that's see right. you, Brian. Thank you so much. So what are your thoughts about that, Jake? Oh, man. It's just the symphony of lies and uh, just so, so many different things. That was a, a great compilation, man. I mean, they've been doing it way back then and they're still doing it now. And it's fake news. I mean, it, it's true. I mean, everything that they said was was proven to be false, you know? They're just trying to lie yeah. to the masses. They're trying to lie to us and try to divide us and not unite us, which is sad. But, you know, people that don't know history, which they suppress, are doomed to repeat it, right? Yep, that's right.
Well, that's all I got for history. You ready for some memes? Yeah, let's do it. Meme me up. So I wanted to kick us off with this crazy picture of a tribe in India that has learned how to train the roots of big trees to create natural suspension bridges that can span over 100 feet and last 500 to 600 years. Whoa. Wow. Is that real? Yep. That's... Yep. They've trained the tree to turn itself into a bridge. That's cool. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I'm very impressed. Um, it it actually uh, reminds me of a video that we have. Uh, it's um, sorry. It's uh, it's the clip of the uh, Opa. Do you know uh, what I'm talking about? It's it, the yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Tree cultivation techniques video. It's an ancient Japanese forestry technique called Daisugi which is used to harvest more lumber while taking up less space. Traditional forests use one rooting system per tree spaced out six to 10 feet apart, while the sugi trees can birth dozens of cedars from one single point. So I was just gonna say, if, if they can turn trees into bridges, then maybe they're doing it like the Japanese here who've learned how to make the most efficient use of space when it comes to growing wood. Yeah, that's cool. I want to see somebody walk across it, to be completely honest. Oh, yeah. It'd be like Tarzan. Yeah. Be cool. All right. Here's a, a meme for us. Shuts down laptop. I think that's enough internet for today. Picks up phone. Let's see what the pocket-sized internet is doing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, how true. Yep. All right. Uh, you can't find Bigfoot because he owes Chuck Norris money. Duh. <laughs> Yep. Good old Chuck Norris. Man, there there have been so many good Chuck Norris jokes over the years. We met him in a movie theater. Yeah, me, me, my dad, my mom, we all did. He was sitting right in front of us. Wow, and really? When, yeah, when we all got up, he was right there, and I was like, oh, you're Chuck Norris. Like, I've never seen one of his movies, but I know who he is. He was really short. Really? And he was very kind. Short and kind. He lived at that time in uh, Plano, I believe. Oh, wow. Close by. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Maybe he'll be uh, on Skeeper News Nation. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'll reach out. <laughs> All right. Uh, this says, uh, every single day, reality calls, and the Biden administration just hangs up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I think oh, this is the case for uh, a lot of government entities. Uh, you know, they're living in make-believe world. All right, so you'll appreciate this one. Uh, problem solved. It's a cat guard uh, that has uh, has a a glass uh, thing to keep the cat from standing on the computer. Oh wow. You know, every time I watch the, the live premieres, I always have my laptop and my cats try to stand on the keyboard. Every time, it never oh, fails. Wow. I need one of those things. Like, for real. <laughs> so if you ever see, like, a message that, that is not properly spelled, 
That's, it's from your cat. It's from Charlie, probably. <laughs> uh, all right, last meme of the day. You're late again. What happened this time? Sir, you won't believe it. <laughs> no way. <laughs> it's uh, the the fish traffic jam of the 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 century. You know, he's like, whoa. Got nowhere to go. Can't get to fish work. That's awesome. Awesome. All right, man. That's all the memes for today. All right, man. Well, thank you for the current news and the memes. And Opa, thank you for another great Opus Corner. And I hope you enjoyed the history. Uh, I hope you enjoyed episode 28 of Skiba News Nation. And we'll see you in episode 29. So stay tuned. If you would like to submit a story, topic, or have any other inquiries, please email submit at skibanewsnation.com. Also, you can email Jeremiah Skiba personally at jeremiah at skibanewsnation.com. Also, email Jake personally at jake at skibanewsnation.com. If you want to write us a letter, send us something, help support us, or just say hi, please send your letter to Jeremiah Skiba, P.O. Box 560-271, The Colony, Texas 75056. If you write us a letter, I'll do my best to write you back. Hey, Skiba News Nation family, thank you for watching. Please like, share, and subscribe. You can also help support this channel by getting yourself some Skiba News Nation merch. Also, we are proud to announce that we are now on Patreon, where you will get bonus content, shoutouts, and much more. Thank you again for watching and helping us stay on the quest for truth. Huge shout out to all our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this show without you. If you want to help support us, go to patreon.com forward slash Nation. We are also proud to announce that Skiba News Nation podcast is now available on podcast platforms.